Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Athletics Baseball podcast with your host, Taylor. Today, I'm going to be covering just two games because the third game got rained out, and I've also got something a little special for you that I'm going to be talking about a little bit here that I rigged up all on my own for you guys. Essentially, it's just an analysis of who is going to be playing in what position, and will they be platooning lefties, righties, there's going to be a lot of platooning, I think, and how that will translate into the whole team's batting success. I'm just doing this for the lineup on this episode. We're, we're going to be looking at basically my predictions for the lineup performance for the A's for 2023. For the whole team, for the whole season, we can look at each position as well. I've got the, that data. And also, I'm going to be going to two spring training games this weekend. I'm going to be watching the Giants on Friday and the Reds on Saturday, both playing the A's, of course, and that should be a lot of fun. I might even record an episode while I'm out there and post it up for you guys. If not, then I'll definitely have coverage and insights from being present at those games on Monday's episode. But first, remember to follow and rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our social media at Twitter at athletics underscore pod, Instagram at athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast, and our email, of course, is athleticsbaseballpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can reach out with any of those methods to give feedback, suggestions, if you have any questions. And if you haven't done it yet, and you have any interest in doing so, send an email over to the Oakland Mayor at officeofthemayor at oaklandca.gov. Send that email over to the Oakland Mayor and let her know that you want the A's to stay in Oakland. That way maybe we can try and get her to do whatever she can. Now, on to Monday's game, the A's against the Rockies. The A's won that game 8-7, to thanks to, essentially, a huge inning in the fourth. And Fuji started that game off. His goal was to go five innings pitched, or it was the goal that Kotze gave him? I'm not sure, but that was the goal, and he didn't do it, but it wasn't that bad. So he... he Ended up pitching a line of three innings pitched, four earned runs off three walks and four hits with seven strikeouts, which is obviously not amazing to look at right right there. It's nice to see those strikeouts, but the line itself is not particularly impressive. However, he basically went out and kind of blew it up in the first inning and didn't didn't have his command. And he actually said after the game that he basically figured out in between the first and the second innings what he needed to change to get that command back. He came out in the second inning, he had it, he was fine for the second and third inning, and his pitch count started getting racked up a little bit. He threw 70 pitches. He came out for the fourth inning and let let one run in. And actually, I think that he walked someone, and then they pulled him, and he 
and that run counted against him because he he walked that run, that base runner, and then Steckenrider was the pitcher who came in and allowed a hit that basically drove that guy in, but the credit for that earned run goes to Fuji. So he was pulled from the game at that point, and it's not a bad thing, you know, especially at spring training, to see a guy struggle a little bit, but then overcome it and perform fine after that. So a good spring training out outing from him. Steckenrider, he did fine, one inning pitched. Uh, Kyle Moeller came, came out. Kyle Moeller came out and pitched 4.1, and he was getting hit all over the place. He had a walk and eight hits in four innings and an out, and let in three earned runs. It really wasn't terrible. You know, you go more than four innings and throw 76 pitches, which is a pretty good workload for this point in spring training, I think. And one of those hits that he let in was the home run. You know, the the hits were kind of sprinkled around. They weren't too condensed at one point. Obviously, he let in three runs, so there were a couple guys on base when that home run was hit, but not a terrible outing. But he has been struggling a bit in spring training so far. He's given up three earned runs on both this outing and the previous one, which the previous one was 2.2 innings, so that's six earned runs in a combined seven innings over the last, like, two weeks. And he, I don't know, I think he is still, he's obviously still loosening up, stretching out, getting himself into shape to be pitching for the regular season. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about going forward into the regular season. You know, if they're going to use him in the regular season, then it's because they think that he's past these issues. And he's really not giving up a lot of walks. It's this, this is mostly coming off of hits that he's giving up. And he is throwing a lot of strikes. Out of those 76 pitches, he threw 51 strikes. So when you put it all in the strike zone like that, then sometimes I think guys start swinging a little more aggressively. And if they're hitting them, some of them are going to fall and and stay as hits. Some of them, you know, it, it kind of depends a little bit on the defense. And I think we just have to wait and see more for Kyle Muller. Calvin Coker came in and closed down the game. Fuji got the, got the win, Muller got a hold, and Coker got a save. But like I said originally, this game was really won. You know, we, we did give up a couple runs here and there. The game really was won by a one big inning of batting from the A's. Six runs in the fourth. We got one in the first, one in the second, six in the fourth. And Asturi Ruiz showed up for that. Two hits with two runs scored and two RBIs in four at-bats. So he showed up for this game. Tony Kemp, patience at the plate. He took two walks in three plate appearances. Oledmus Diaz grabbed himself a walk. Jesus Aguilar, two hits in three at-bats. Jace Peterson got a hit in three at-bats. And Connor Capel got two hits in three at-bats as well. Nick Allen, same, two hits, three at-bats. He scored a run and knocked in a run as well. And the A's basically just took that commanding lead. It was 
eight to four after the fourth inning, and they just barely hung on pitching wise through the rest of the game. And there wasn't really too much more offensive production after that point. A couple hits here and there. But one interesting thing about this A's team so far, so with Kemp, he got two walks there, Diaz got a walk, and then on Tuesday's game, which I'm going to talk about in a second, there were also several walks. And I actually heard one of the broadcasters saying that the A's, at least up to the point, a couple, like on Tuesday, I believe, the A's have the most walks in spring training in all of baseball. That, I believe, is what I heard. And Ryan Noda has the most walks on the A's, or he did, uh, I think, yesterday when I was looking. And this is really good for the team and really helps to back up some of my projections that I have made for how this team is going to perform. I don't think that we're going to be a power-hitting club, and I don't think we're trying to be. Really, we've got Seth Brown, who can hit quite a few home runs himself. Jesus Aguilar, where if he has a nice bounce-back year, we could see a good number from him. And then, question mark on Ryan Noda. He's got the power, but will he turn that power into home runs? He's been getting a lot of a lot of extra base hits so far in spring training. So far, he has five hits, three of them are doubles, and one of them's a home run. So when he connects, he's hitting with power so far. A lot of them are doubles, though, and I am curious to see how many home runs he will actually be able to hit over the course of a season in the majors. And then we have Shea, who... He can hit a few home runs, but he's also a catcher. He's he's going to need days off, and Manny Pena is going to be subbing in there for him on those days off. And honestly, I don't really ex- I wouldn't really expect for Shea to hit more than about twenty, which that's a lot for a catcher. Catcher is not usually a position with a ton of offensive production. That would be a really good amount for a catcher. So. We'll be seeing the production from him, I think, offensively, but he won't be... Those numbers will look a little bit different than some of the other position players, I think. But really, so we don't have a lot of power hitters like I'm talking about here. I don't think we have anybody who's going to hit 40 home runs this season, but we do have a lot of guys with some really good on base. And I think that... We're looking more at get a guy on base, steal over to second, or hit him over to second, or walk him over to second, and then look for a double to drive in the run. I think that's the style of baseball that we're going to be playing this season, which is is good because it's a really exciting style of baseball to watch. So I just thought that was interesting. The A's have the most walks in spring training so far which basically just lines up with what I've been thinking our offense would look like in the regular season. And I think it's a good sign to see the patience in spring training because these games don't really matter in the grand scheme. They matter in different 
ways, you know, for instance, getting the players excited for the season, getting them obviously physically and mentally ready for the season, but the standings at the end of spring training, that's what doesn't matter. And the fact that the standings don't matter and walking away at the end of the game with the W is not particularly important and the guys are still taking pitches and having patient at-bats and working the pitch count up and taking their walk and not being too overly aggressive at the plate, that is something that should translate really well into the regular season when there's a lot more pressure and there's a lot riding on the game and what you need to see in those types of situations is patience where for a lot of guys the tension the anxiety the nerves they ramp up people get a little nervy they start swinging the bat a little too loose a little too freely and you get guys swinging on bad bad pitches and that's just a a killer for a team guys swinging on bad pitches that's something you you cannot have to be a successful ball club so yeah I think it bodes well for the team for the regular season seeing the patience now. So let's take a look at Tuesday's game. In contrast to Monday's game, the A's lost that one 4-5, to five, and the offensive production was there. There were no home runs. There was one home run on Monday's game, none in Tuesday's game, but there were a lot of doubles, and we just were not able to turn that into a ton of production. So five walks, eight hits, six doubles. Langoliers had a double, Rooker had two doubles, Wade had a double, Hernias had a double, and McCann had a double. So a lot of production from the young guys there. Seth Brown, no double, but he had two hits. And then Jace, Rooker, Brooks, Kevin Smith, and Goldberg are the guys who took a walk. So you'd think you'd be able to put up a little bit more offense, a a little bit more runs with five walks, six doubles, and two singles. But that's not how it worked out, and unfortunately there was an error on Nolan Long, the pitcher, as well as some heads-up base running and, and things like that from the White Sox. And the pitching, there were five runs given up, but only three of them were earned. So Rasinski pitched 5.1 and only threw 33 pitches. He let in two earned runs off two walks, four hits, and one of those hits was a home run. So he spaced those out nicely. His whip was okay, 1.65 for the game, and and 22 of his 33 pitches were strikes. So that is what I would call essentially a solid outing, even a good outing. And it's good to see that from Rusinski as we start approaching the season here, because he's going to be one of our guys, one of our, one of the staples in our rotation. And if he can give us five to six innings with one to three earned runs on a frequent basis, if that's baseline for him, then that is excellent. And we should be very happy with that. And realistically, if we can hold the other team to between three and five runs scored, 
on most games, then we have a great chance to win a lot of those games. Three or four is significantly better than five as far as those chances go, I think. Garrett Williams came in, two two outs, one walk, nothing else, no runs scored. Domingo Acevedo technically earned the blown save. Garrett Williams got himself a hold, but Acevedo, he only pitched two outs, let in one walk, three hits, two runs total, but only one of them was earned. Garrett Acton pitched 1.1 innings, earned two strikeouts, only let in one hit, no runs allowed. And then Nolan Long, he had the unfortunate game-ending error. He got one strikeout and allowed one hit. He And this game was not televised for me, so I didn't get to actually see it, unfortunately. But I'm pretty sure that Long just bobbled, bobbled a ball and missed his target on the throw, and that let the game-winning run come in. Because it was 4-4 four, four four in the ninth. White Sox, it was their home game technically, so they walked it off, and walked it off on an error. So, pretty, pretty unfortunate ending, but other than that, it was a close game, lots of offense. The pitching was, was pretty good, a couple errors that hurt the A's there. Technically only one error, but some less-than-ideal things happening. And then Wednesday's game was rained out, which is too bad because it was a game against the Mariners, and I think it's the only spring training game that we play against them this season, and I was looking forward to seeing that one, seeing some of our guys go up against the Mariners for rain, but I think spring training games, I'm pretty sure they just cancel them. I don't think they play a makeup game for that. Luckily, we do play the Mariners again. I really want to see the A's face off against the Mariners. We're going to be playing them 13 times this season, which is down compared to normal, but still a lot. And it'll be nice to get to let our guys get a look at their guys. And as from my perspective, it'll be nice to see that matchup live. So looking forward to that. Now let's just briefly talk about how I think that the team is going to end up this season. So like I said, I crunched all these numbers. I did my own estimations for predicted performance for each of these players against right-handed pitchers and left-handed pitchers. The numbers that I'm less confident in are the rookies that we have no at all big league data for or just a handful of games, like 20 or 30 games. That's not enough data to really go on in those situations. But I took a stab at it. I think I am pretty close, and I've basically got a decent numbers situation. Not the best-case scenario by any means, but basically if some of our guys that are veterans have sort of bounce-back years, um, not career years, but just solid years that are an improvement over their performance in 2022. And then the minor league guys, you know, this the decent performance numbers that I have here, for them, it would basically just be them all having relatively typical rookie years for the most part. Maybe a little bit of improvement here or there on some guys like Pache and Nick Allen and pretty decent performance from some other rookies like Brian Noda, who I think will do well. 
And it's all because the, the, the success that the A's can find that I'm seeing, again, 75 wins, I'm calling it, the success is because of a couple things. One, like I said, on-base percentage, high on-base. That's really going to be a big driver of the offense for the A's. And a fairly high slugging percentage, but not a lot of home runs. In other words, guys are going to be hitting a lot of doubles, I think. We're going to see a lot of doubles from the A's this year. And part of that is helped out because of the speed that a lot of our guys have. Pache, Ruiz, Kemp, Nick Allen, Loriano's pretty quick, Rooker's pretty quick, Kevin Smith is fairly fast. You know, I think the doubles, I think Connor Capel is fairly quick as well, although I don't actually have him on my starting roster situation here. I think that the A's are going to go a different direction, but you never know. Those guys are all pretty quick. Ryan Noda's pretty quick as well. And it just means that those doubles are going to come easier. You know, we're going to see a lot of them from both decent hitting and from decent base running. So why don't I start out with giving you who is in the daily lineup that I think will happen? And when are they playing? That's going to be a big key here. So let's look at it by position. First base, I think we're mostly looking at two guys, Ryan Noda, Jesus Aguilar. Seth Brown could get a little bit of run here and there to give one of those guys rest, or or maybe they both need rest. Maybe there's an injury somewhere down the line or, or something, and Seth Brown obviously can fill that role just fine. But I do think that it'll be Noda and Aguilar on first for pretty much all year. Noda, I think, will be hitting against lefties, and Aguilar will be hitting against righties. And at shortstop, I think Aledmus Diaz actually will probably play shortstop for pretty much all year. And obviously, he will need rest when he needs rest. Then probably Nick Allen will slide in that spot, and someone else will play in second, and it'll just... It won't be exactly this every day, is what I'm trying to say. When a guy needs rest, then you may see a slightly different lineup than what I'm what I'm pulling out right here. But Aledmus Diaz, both lefties and righties, shortstop most of the year. I think that's what we're seeing. Second base, Nick Allen playing against lefties and Tony Kemp against righties. I think we'll see that. Third base should be Kevin Smith against lefties and Jace Peterson against righties. And obviously, also when I'm saying this, like, Kevin Smith against lefties, but he'll he'll still go against some righties, and Jace Peterson against righties, he'll still go against some lefties. You know, it's not, you know, oh, they put in a left-handed bullpen guy, pull the guy out right now, you know, it's not going to be like that necessarily. But just in general, these are the trends that we're going to see, I think. As far as the outfield goes... I think you'll see Ruiz, Pache, and Loriano against lefty pitchers. And Pache is much better against lefties than he is against righties. So this is definitely a way that we can use him and get his glove in the game as much as possible on top of, you know, in the 8th or ninth innings, we might put him in defensively 
especially if they put out a lefty pitcher towards the end of the game. Against right-handed pitchers, I think we'll be seeing Brent Rooker, Seth Brown, and Ramon Laureano. Ramon Laureano is pretty similarly good against both lefties and righties, and I think that the A's probably want to get him as much of an opportunity as they can to have a bounce back and show off a little bit so that when it comes time, they're more likely to get something decent back for him in a trade. I do think that he is likely to be a trade piece for the A's with this super jam-packed outfield, and he's getting a little older. We've got a lot of young guys that we kind of need to make room for, and I think he might want to move on as well from some things that I had seen in the past. So I think that's why he will be given more of a green light on both lefties and righties than any of the other guys. Shea is obviously our main catcher, and he's got a great bat. He hits well against both lefties and righties, but catcher is a really, really physically demanding position to play, so he is going to need rest. And that's where Manny Pena comes in. He is much better against lefties than he is against righties, Manny Pena. However, you don't see enough lefty pitching to say that splitting the lefties with Manny and Shea is going to be enough rest for Shea. It's it's not going to be. So Manny will have to hit righties. He, he will have to be in the lineup against right-handed pitchers in order to give Shea the rest that he will no doubt need. But I think that he'll probably get about 100 at-bats in each scenario against lefties and righties. And the rest should be Shea. And then that obviously leaves the DH. And it's a little bit tough because a lot of the guys that are left, the, the ones that we know about, the ones that are, like, the ones that are available, like, against left-handed pitchers, you've technically got Aguilar... Kemp, Jace, Rooker, and Seth Brown, all available, not in the everyday lineup here, but the problem is they're not in that mix against lefties because a lot of them, they have trouble hitting lefties. So finding that DH is a little bit more of a struggle, and and I ended up basically saying against righties, it's kind of a no-brainer. Ryan Noda gets that nod over pretty much anyone else on a regular basis. Obviously, it will rotate around a little bit, but Ryan Noda is the best available against righty pitchers as far as the DH goes. Against lefties, it's probably going to be about half the time one of Aguilar, Kemp, or Jace Peterson, and then the other half of the time it's going to be either Shea or Manny, whoever's not catching that game. And I think that's because Shea and Manny are pretty much the two best hitters against lefties out of who's available against lefties. And one of them technically will always be available, but you don't want to be DHing them every single game that they're not catching because they it's a little bit of a rest to... DH, but 
not as much as not DHing, and it's a really physically demanding position. So that's why I sort of looked at it as let's split it 50-50. Half of it is Shay and Manny, half of it is sort of everyone else. I won't go into the numbers for each position with those sorts of platoon splits. Uh, it, But platooning in the way that I laid out with the players that I laid out really gives you the best possible batting stats, the best possible average on base and slugging for each position. And that's also why the A's, in my opinion, need to go with a 14-man lineup and only 12 pitchers because they need those platoon spots for for every position, basically, in order to have as punchy of a lineup as, as you can get with this squad. What I will give you are the total numbers for everybody, and it's all weighted, so I've got the estimate for, let's say, Kevin Smith against lefties and Jace Peterson against righties, you're roughly going to see three times more at-bats against righties than against lefties over the course of a season. So we, I, I just weight Jace Peterson's number three times as heavy as Kevin Smith's then. And then I get a weighted average for each position, and then I take all of those and get an average for each statistic across the whole team, across the whole season. And on a decent, if the team has a decent year offensively, not amazing, not the best possible, but decent, then we're really good, really good. A 244 batting average, 318 on base, and a 411 slugging with only 140 home runs. So basically in the American League, in the American League, we'd be bottom five in home runs, but top five in OPS. So we're going to be getting on base like mad. We're going to be hitting a lot of doubles. And our batting average is pretty high as well. And just for a little perspective there, so that's a 244 batting average. Last season, 244 batting average would put you in the seventh position in the AL. So basically middle of the pack. OPS of 729, which is what I estimated, will put you in position five, the fifth best OPS in the American League behind Toronto, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Red Sox, and ahead of Minnesota, Seattle, Cleveland, and Chicago. So and obviously well ahead of the Angels and Rangers as well. So obviously that is a very, very, very good result. Oh, and let's just look at the home runs. That would be um, the sixth last position. So 11th, or the, the fifth last. It'd be, it'd be 11th position, basically. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't look at the A's on that list as well. I didn't remove them from the count, which basically we hit 137 home runs last year, except we only had a 626 OPS and a 216 batting average. So our batting average would go up almost 30 points. 
our OPS would go up more than 100 points. In other words, the doubles are going up, the on-base is going up, and we would see a hugely better result with that sort of an offense compared to what we had last year. And then I also calculated these numbers for sort of an absolute worst-case scenario, and these numbers are a little bit more speculative and a little bit more of an estimate than the other numbers. The other numbers are like a reasonable prediction. This is, I think, as bad as it could be, what I'm about to tell you. A 229 batting average, 292 on base, 383 slugging for a 675 OPS and 110 home runs. That would basically put our home runs dead last in the American League, but it would be a 13-point batting average improvement and a 49-point OPS improvement. In other words, in the absolute worst-case scenario, performance-wise, offensively, we will still be significantly better than last season. Now, you pair that with a solid bullpen, which I think that we will have this coming season, and things are looking pretty good. The only big question, then, is the starting rotation. And there's a big question there. We don't know how good these guys are going to be. Fuji and Rasinski, are they going to be great with like a 3.0 ERA? Are they going to be around average with a 4.0? Or are they going to be struggling a little bit with a 4.5, maybe even a 5? Guys like Paul Blackburn, Caprellian. Are they going to stay healthy? Are they going to pitch as well as they have in the past? Or are they going to take a little bit of a slide? These these are things that we really can't predict at all from spring, spring training, I think, because most of spring training, you're just loosening up your arm for these starting pitchers. You're just getting yourself right. And we really won't know how they're pitching until a little ways into the season, until they've had, I don't know, maybe four or five starts each. Only then are we really going to be able to evaluate these guys. So I think a lot of the weight of how this team will perform ultimately sort of falls on that rotation. Offensively, we should be pretty good. And defensively, we're great as well on the fielding side. I mean, you've got one of Asturi Ruiz or Christian Pache in the outfield, or, or both, against lefties. Loriano's always good out there. Seth Brown's good out there. Noda and Aguilar are both good first basemen. Defensively, Noda might be a little bit better, even. Nick Allen, great on second, shortstop. Anywhere you put him on the infield, he's, he's going to be, you know, he's a, he's a great middle infielder. Tony Kemp always gets those highlight plays on second base. And Jace Peterson's a pretty decent third baseman, I think, as well. And Shea, he he is a good defensive catcher. So I think fielding, hitting, we're we're pretty solid this season. We're going to be good. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise, all right? Okay, that's all I've got for you today. Thanks for listening. I will either post a little update from spring training or I will have spring training updates for you when I come back on Monday. Have a great weekend, guys. Have a great rest of your week, and see you Monday. Thanks for listening.